Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right, we are back with another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. Today we have Nathaniel Getzels with us. This is going to be a super interesting episode because Nathaniel has quite a breadth of experience here. He is with Getzels Group and is also a celebrity um, real estate agent, but that's not what he's here to talk about. He's here to talk about his investments. So Nathaniel, thank you very much for hopping on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. Um, I told you before we got on here, we always like to start with stories. We like to hear how people got into real estate in the first place. Um, you have a breadth of experience, so I'm sure you got a good one. How'd you get, uh, how'd you get into real estate you know, way back when? Yeah, so uh, it's, it, years ago, I was finishing my master's degree, and I taught in every level of school from preschool administrator through college oh, wow. professor. Right, So it's a lot, it's, it was a big range because I thought that was the space I wanted to be in. And the reason that I liked um, that space is I felt like I could help people a lot, right? And I could do a lot of good. Um, later, I realized that I uh, feel like school, uh, I disagree with everything school teaches in, in the basic, basically. Uh, so, you know, work hard. No, you should work smart. Um, get out of debt. You should leverage your debt. Get a good job. No, you should uh, build wealth. Yep. And don't copy which I think we should always look at who's doing the right thing and, and figure out how to copy that and make it better. Yep. So the whole, all the basis of everything that I was teaching basically and school in general was wrong at that point. And I was getting uh, offered all these great jobs uh, and I just could not imagine doing any of them and wanting to stay alive. So when I went back and I went, okay, what are the things that I enjoy? <laughs> right. So, um, my dirty little secret at night when I was in college is I would go and I'd open up my computer and I'd start surfing Zillow for hours. And oh, I'd one of those guys. Pictures of houses, right? And it was amazing. And then I was studying the trends of the market and how cities grow, why cities grow, where they grow, when people move, why they move. And so I was like, okay, that's fascinating. And that was like my, my dirty little secret, right? That was my, my guilty pleasure. And then... I went, well, wait a minute, I can take that, I can take the, um, that knowledge and that love and passion and then combine it with helping people because you're basically helping most people either make the biggest uh, purchase of their life or a large financial uh, decision that can drive generational wealth for, I mean, obviously generations because it's called generational wealth, that's the whole point. <laughs> you can literally help people set up their families uh, for the future. Uh, and even if, even if it's not that, it's a large financial choice that you need very good guidance to make the right choices on. Yep. So I went, okay. And then I'd been investing already at that point because when I started college, I realized that renting was expensive. But if I bought something, uh, I could rent out part of it and mitigate almost all my costs. I wish so, I had that wisdom when I was in college, for sure. Right? It was it was beautiful because I still worked. I worked. I got straight A's. And then I didn't have a lot of costs. So I could have a lot of fun. Yep. 
it was it was good planning and and unintentional. It set me up for my future career unintentionally. Gotcha. Um, so what I did is I wanted to combine where I can help people and still geek out about real estate. And so I literally dropped what I was doing as I was finishing my thesis, turned, started in real estate, and never looked back. Nice, man. I love it. So you were you were on the path to be, you were a teacher. You were on the path towards, you know, towards that career. You're going to be a principal, whatever it is, the, the end goal. Well, I was there. going to be a tenured professor in a college. Okay. That, was, that was the goal. And I could have had it or an administrator at a school could have had that uh, or owned a school. Right. right. Those are the, those are the three paths. And I went, no, none of this sounds good. Um, but, you know, even through real estate investing, there's a lot of education that happens organically through there. So I got to connect with people, right? Because you need to attune, even in, in an investing environment, you need to attune with your clients. So that way you have that trust, that, that flow, the vibe, whatever it is you want to call it. And once you have that trust built up with your clients, uh, then, or your investors, then um, they'll trust you and you can really grow and build some, some very cool, unique uh, projects. Yep. That makes sense. Absolutely. So you, uh, you took that passion of teaching, you took it into real estate as a, as a realtor, it sounds like. Um, And from there, I mean, you've gone so many different places. We had a, a brief conversation before we got onto the podcast and I got a little bit of background about Nathaniel and we'll go into it. Um, but the big thing that, you know, it sounds like you're known for is you do, you're a celebrity realtor. Um, so I do want to touch on that just briefly and then we'll get into the in- investing. The only question I'm going to ask is what was your favorite uh, celebrity deal that you did and who was it with? Ah, such a hard question because um there are so many NDAs that are usually ah, involved. Yep. Totally so I can't really tell you who it was with, but um, he did uh, that the property, my favorite property that I sold was actually bought as an investment mm. and with, um, you know, an investor loan and, and was, was, was far from their largest purchase because, it was many millions, but they had many more millions, obviously. Uh, but so the, the strategy there was, where is it and where is it going to be in 10 years? Where is it going to be in five years, right? Where is it going to be in 20 years? Um, and how much money can I pull out of it? Because at that point, it's not about the purchase price because it doesn't matter. But it's about the invest, how it acts as an investment vehicle at that point, right? So you have to figure out how he can take it and make more money. I mean, is it, do you put it in a, um, an insurance wrap, right? Do you put in an insurance wrap with some other properties? Oh, sorry about that. Um, Technical issues real quick. There we go. Nope. We, uh, we lost Nathaniel briefly. He's on his phone and, uh, you know, that is always can always be a struggle, especially when it looks like he is back. All right. And I think we just lost him completely. And that is unfortunate. So I'm going to have to cut this out. And then we will be right back with Nathaniel. It sounds like he uh, he dropped here. So give me one second to get him back. 
All right, we're back. We had a little bit of a technical issue, but uh, Nathaniel, you know, he was able to fix <laughs> fix the issues. It's always fun having you know doing this from phones because phones are they're so small they bounce around. So, Nathaniel, you're back. Let's get right back into it. We were talking about um, your investments, and um, I lost my train of thought. Oh, there oh, we no, go. So, yeah, the, the, that the celebrity, my favorite celebrity deal was they were talking about how they were going to leverage the investment. Yep. And is it going to be an insurance wrap? How much money can they pull out of it? How will it act as a, as a great investment vehicle for the future investing? So that that was the reason, uh, that was the purpose of that. Now, even when people are buying their own primary homes, it either becomes uh, a lot about that. But if it's a primary home for um, celebrities, especially, it's less about that. And it's more about um, the vibe, the feel, the style, how they can how they can show off about it. And very often it becomes an investment vehicle, but in a different way, they'll bring people there. They'll do deals at the properties. So the, the, the property will become a framing for mm. other investment deals and kind of an establishment of, um, you know, look at this beautiful asset that I have. You want to do business with me, or I can use this asset to make more money, but not directly from the asset. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. I actually, uh, we had somebody on here who did, um, he did auctions for high end auctions. And he, uh, he said that a lot of celebrities they buy, or just, I guess, ultra rich people will buy, um, really nice homes, you know, Beverly Hills, wherever. And then they'll just rent them out for like, uh, um, not as a rental, but for like movie sets and things like that. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was a kind of an interesting use of, um, luxury real estate. Oh, absolutely. In fact, um, there's a city here in Los Angeles or an area called Bell Canyon. And I had the most expensive house in the city listed or in that area listed. And it's now used for uh, movie rentals. It's all just studios rental, renting it. Yeah. And, you know, studio rentals, they pay a lot. So a lot of these high-end homes, um, they're different types of rentals. So California, for example, is a 50% state, meaning more than 50% of the homes here are rented. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. And so, and you have a combination of your uh, institutional investors, right? Because the majority, at least up until last month, I don't know the stats for this month, but I know last month and for the few months before that, one in six homes in the US was being purchased by an institutional investor. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and they're putting them into portfolios. So those, those houses are literally gone basically forever because they're put into portfolios. And then even when those portfolios trade, they're going to sell to another institutional investor and stay in that portfolio. Yep. So those houses are out. Then you have the short-term rentals, which most people are still doing wrong, but there are a lot of people making a lot of money from them. Um, so that, that takes up a big section. And then here in LA and other areas that have very unique homes or and are near studios, you have a lot of homes that are used for um, studio rentals, movie shoots, music videos. I mean, there's some homes, you know, you have the Augusta rule, right? Where you have 14 days where you don't have to pay the taxes on, on those kinds of rentals. Hmm. Um, and that's largely thanks to Augusta, Georgia, where I, I own property there too, actually. And the entire city transforms for the 14 days of the masters. Oh, interesting. Yep. Yeah. In fact, there the um, the city. I think their population triples, but almost everybody that lives there leaves during that time. Wow! 
That's crazy. I never made that connection between the that that law and then the the masters. Um, makes a lot of sense though, because you know that's, so many people come there for for the masters, so it makes makes total and sense. And that's why it's called the Augusta Rule. Yeah. Um, you mentioned short term there. I know you're into short term um, quite heavily, and uh, you you know you're on boards of companies. You mentioned before we got on the podcast, and, I, and just now you said that people are doing it wrong. So, what is the thing that you see most uh, most investors? What's the b- biggest mistake most investors are making when they purchase short term rentals? So, the biggest mistake they make is they buy in the wrong place for the wrong price. That's the biggest mistake. Just like most real estate, yep. the biggest mistake people make are they buy wrong. So, you're not understanding the rules, regulations and the advantages of where you're buying. That's that's number one. Number two is if you buy wrong, now you have to price wrong, which is going to cost you money basically until you end up selling because you're, you've lost so much money over time. Um, so, and also once you buy, you're not just magically rich. There's a whole management and, and strategy to it. So you want to prepare the house correctly, which most people do not. You want to maximize the amount of the size and you have to understand, you know, a lot of the income or a lot of the cost prices is based on how many people you can sleep in the house, right? It's not about, oh, well, I have this big, beautiful room. I'd love to come vacation here. Nobody cares where you want a vacation. That doesn't matter. You have to figure out how you can get the most people in that house because that's who pays the most. And you want to, uh, you need to adjust the price. You have to have a dynamic pricing tool. So you want to adjust that price every single day. Um, You want to look at also the future of that area. So for example, uh, Arizona, they changed the the state, changed the entire rules for the, the entire state, which is if you're not in an HOA, you can basically Airbnb anywhere. Okay. Which Short term, yay, everyone wants Airbnb. We can, you know, the state's letting us get rich, da, 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 da. Except remember the thing that breeds value. Scarcity. Uh, and scarcity, yeah. So all of a sudden, you're going to have these markets that are flooded with short-term rentals. Uh, and I think your long-term, you're going to drop in your value because you're. it's going to be a flooded market. Yep. That's one of the things I love about what LA has done. Because, you know, they first they let, allowed it, then they completely disallowed it. Now you have to get a permit mm. and, and be allowed. So LA, I think, is doing it really well right now, especially in Malibu and areas that literally don't have enough hotels mm. to yep. serve the, the, the demand. So it's great. Um, you know, it's unfortunate what happened in, in Breckenridge where they capped the number of permits and they took away 4,000 people's permits overnight. Oof. That'd be, that'd be rough, especially if you bought it as a short-term rental and you underwrote it as a short-term rental. And now all of a sudden, shit, I can only do long-term. I'm not going to be able to find a renter. Um, yeah, it's a problem. Now, something that's interesting to understand is on Airbnb, and I use that as the example because Airbnb makes up the majority of the market for short-term rentals, even though there's other really great platforms that we definitely take advantage of and you can make a lot of money through. Uh, but more than 20% of those rentals right now are over 30 days. Okay. Interesting. I actually so didn't know a, that. That's a massive number. Yeah. So that's why, like I, you mentioned, I was on the board. I was recently put on the board of a company called Houselet, 
and they specialize in 30 to 90 day furnished rentals. Okay. You can, you can rent for less or far more, but there's a gap in a mar- in the market there and there's a big demand. That's like corporate housing, uh, traveling nurse housing, that kind of thing, right? Not just that, but people go on vacations. I have a lot of people mm. who come from out of state who come to LA or Malibu or the surrounding areas and they'll rent for the summer. Yep. It's a summer rental. It's a winter rental. You have a lot of Palm Springs, which I know it's kind of counterintuitive, but right now it's the summer and it's their slow months because it's so hot. But there's a lot of people who come there in the winter because it's still warm and they're going to come from Canada or, or colder environments and spend the winter there in Palm Springs. Maybe they, they live on the beach and it's too cold or they're in Canada or they're in Seattle. Maybe, I don't know. I hear it's cold there. I, I don't know, but <laughs> I would say it's very temperate up here in Seattle. We're, we're never high. We're never low. We're just right down the middle. <laughs> well, you know, if you want warm in the winter, Palm Springs is it. So understanding your market is also important. Um, a lot of people tell me, oh, I'm just going to buy something in like a Malibu, for example, which really has three great months and the rest of the months are okay, but there's not a huge demand to be there necessarily. Yep. So buying in the right place, buying for the right price, obviously the price is always the secret to any buy in real estate. <laughs> yep. And, uh, having a plan. Actually, probably the biggest thing people do is they don't have a plan. They just buy it and they think they're magically rich overnight. They have no operation plan. They have no exit plan, right? And they don't have a backup plan. So as you saw during the pandemic, um, let's use Las Vegas now for as an example. A lot of condo hotels. And I love condo hotels. I think that is a huge space that most people don't even know about, much less know how to maximize. But condo hotels are the only type of real estate that went down during the pandemic in Las Vegas, for example, because people stopped traveling, mm. right? So when, when these short-term rentals, especially condo hotels, they're, they're linked more to the travel industry than the real estate industry as far as income goes. Right. So all of a sudden, people stop traveling. Now, how do you always win in real estate in general? You always buy low, low, but the the key is to keep going because even if you have a loss, as long as you can keep going, you can deduct that loss from a win later. The only way in real estate you really lose is to stop. If you stop, you are done. Your loss is real. It is realized. There's no way to regain. There's no way to recover. So if you can keep going by having a good reserve and a plan. If let's say you don't have someone in your rental for three months, well, most people at that point had to do a fire sale or were so upside down, you know, now they're going to have foreclosures or, you know, they're, they're going to be in distress. But if you have at least a six month to one year reserve, well, if in three, four five months, you realize, Hey, this isn't getting better. Well, then you sell, but you're not underwater yet, right? And most things are not going to last six months. Even the pandemic, the the, the lack of people traveling, barely, I mean, people were, you know, Vegas wasn't closed for a whole year. It was closed for some months and then reopened. So you have to weather these storms. 
I'm going to hover on that just, just a moment, because I feel like that's one of the biggest, um, lessons that I, you know, my, I myself learned when I was in doing my initial investments is the importance of having, having CapEx reserves, um, having money in the bank. And so when you guys, you know, if any of you guys out there are, are just getting started, you're just buying your first few investments, make sure to have those CapEx reserves, have money in the bank just in case something goes wrong. Because like you said, real estate investing, the only way to lose is to, is to stop. Um, and if you, if you have a few months that you're, you, you're experiencing high or vacancy, that can be okay so long as you have the money in the bank. So I like that you said that because um, I do feel that's a very important lesson that I learned. And I think uh, if you haven't learned it yet, just make sure, that, make sure it's there because it's not a fun lesson to, to have to learn in reality. Um, I'm going to move us on because you know short-term rentals is one thing you do, and I know you got a lot of other stuff. So let's talk a bit about um, international investing. You know, I know before we we got on the show, we talked a little bit about that. Um, you buy internationally, you buy land, you buy you buy property. That's something that I've been interested in. It's also something that I don't know a lot about. So um, first, how, how do you decide on the market that you buy in, and then? What are just the top uh, top issues that you generally, you know, the the hurdles that you need to overcome when you're considering buying international? Absolutely. Okay. So, all great questions. By the way, you're a very good host. Um, <laughs> so, how you choose is first you decide what type of market you're going to go into. So, for example, I love developing markets. Why do I love developing markets? Because a developing market a lot of these developing markets haven't had a recession for over 20 years. Okay. And define developing um, for everybody. I mean, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll use a, like a, a Georgia, right? The country okay. of Georgia. Country. <laughs> right? Country. Yes. I also own in the state of Georgia, so it can get confusing. But right. um, in the country of Georgia, you know, it's a smaller market. There's lots of growth, lots of growth. It's not an established, you know, it's not a, a U.S., European, U.K., you know, one of these bigger countries that's established that is not really in the developing phase anymore. They're, they're developed and, you know, first world, uh, world powers. Right. So a lot of these smaller markets, they have so much room to grow. And once they, they get some stability, right. So they're not at war. They have a relatively low amount of corruption in their government. They're in a part of the world that they should be geographically okay from, you know, natural disasters and, and other factors like that. Now, granted, I know you guys are all thinking, oh, Georgia, well, isn't there a, that close to a big, you know, war pretty right close now? right now, but yeah. Pretty close. It's pretty close. But for several strategic reasons, it was a good choice. And it still, I think, is is has a relative level of safety from uh, the fray of what's going on. And that was calculated. That was careful because they were at war about 13, 14 years ago. And it was not a good time then. Uh, So that's the first thing that you look at uh, the type of invest, the the type of of investment you're going to make. Like there's some great stuff in Italy right now. There's some great opportunities in, in established countries as well, but you know, this one specifically, I love the developing countries. Yep. Um, but so then after you choose what kind of, uh, what kind of investment and Oh, by the way, for developing countries, a very, very, very important factor is if they're accepting international investment. And I don't just Sounds- mean, Oh, you go and buy a house. I mean, on a, on a multi, 
you know, on a, on a, on a corporate level, right, on an institutional level. And that was one of the things that also attracted me to Georgia is they opened up for international investment a few years before I invested there. So there was a lot of U.S. money. A lot of U.S. companies are going there. So um, that was another factor I used personally because so in real estate, I'm sure you've heard, oh, well, look where the Starbucks, look where the Whole Foods, look where all these things are going. Right. And I do do my own research. So I'll choose a market. I'll study the market. I'll see what I think the economy is doing. And then I'll see what other other people think, meaning the big institutions. And, you know, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars doing similar research on a much higher level than I am. So if their research and my research line up, I feel like I'm probably doing something right. I use uh, my personal criteria. I only do here in the US, but my personal criteria is Walmart. If there's a Walmart within 10, 20 miles of uh, where I'm looking, then I'm probably okay because Walmart has, they have a lot of money and they're, uh, they're definitely concerned about where they put their facilities. That's interesting. I've never heard that one before. Yeah. I love it. So you, uh, Georgia is where you went. It sounds like you you chose that because it, it's developing. Um, it's relatively safe. It has a lot of room to grow. Um, so and, once and you a choose lot of, your- a lot of U.S. investment as well. I mean, if you look at um, Dubai, for example, the reason that it basically was the fastest, it is the fastest grown city ever over from 20 years from dirt to, to you know, one of the, the top metropolises in the, in the world is because of international investment. If you look at New York, the thing that changed it from a hub for the U.S. and a hub for the world was international investment. Yep. So I chose Georgia specifically um, because all the numbers, there was a lot of growth. It was already one of the top uh, destinations for travel. And I was looking for vacation rentals, mm. right? I, I actually bought, um, I'm building a condo hotel there. Oh, wow. Just, okay. Yeah, it's uh just about being finished. So I'm really excited because that means I get to start having people go there soon. Um, But, you know, the numbers looked good. The growth looked good. The cash flow and the cash on cash in my worst case scenario was great. And my best scenario is mind blowing numbers. (laughs) And and I like, I I always look at at all my investments as three phases, right? Uh, Or three, three scenarios, worst case, best case, most realistic. Yep. And every single one of those was a, a was a strong green light. So I went, okay, this makes sense. Um, you also, in an area like that, you have to figure out what are the laws if you're out of the country, right? Are, are you protected as an American or as wherever you have your passport from? Are you protected? Can you sue them? Can you take them to court here? Can do you have to take them to court there? What are the laws? Who's going to, you know, are you even allowed to own in that country? And what about like language? I don't actually don't know. Don't even know the language uh, spoken in Georgia. Um, but what about, um, you know, English is the international business language, but I'm sure you run into issues with, um, with the language. Is that something that. Yeah. So in Georgia, the main languages are Georgian, Russian, and then a lot of people speak English most places in the world. Yeah. Um, I've never really run into a language issue. If I am having to deal with someone who does not speak English, I will, um, I can usually find a translator, mm-hmm. you know, for relatively easily. And if there is a cost, relatively low cost. Uh, so I, I've never let that stop me because uh, there's an international language, which is money. 
<laughs> so as long as the money makes sense, uh, I'm not worried what, what language is spoken in that country. And the only place I've actually ever been in the world physically been where it was an issue, uh, strangely enough, was China, mm. where I knew the people I was talking to sp- understood English, but they refused to speak to me in English. Interesting. That was very, very, I mean, I've been to the North Pole, Norway. <laughs> how, how was it up in the North Pole? Are you thinking about buying property up there? It's actually, it's fascinating because there is an international treaty zone. So oh. like the spot, it's a, it's an archipelago of, uh, called, um, Svalbard. Okay. And yeah. It's really interesting because it's an international treaty zone. So there is no government it's under Norwegian stewardship, but there's basically just like an overseer, which they call the governor of Svalbard, but there's no infrastructure you can own there, but it's kind of complicated because it's an international zone. Right. Um, there's no, you know, there's no, like it, there's, there's no major hospitals. If you get sick, they send you off the Island. You're not allowed to die there. <laughs> Do not die here. That is uh, yeah. that is against the rules. Right. It is legal to die. I'm like, I don't know what the punishment is because you're dead. So. <laughs> yeah. If you get very sick, they send you off the Island. If you're in late pregnancy, they send you off the Island. So it's a very unique place. Mainly places like that are either you're going to buy a tourist place, like a a short-term rental, or a longer-term rental for a student or a coal, like a miner. Hmm. That's the only people that are up there. And one of the questions that kind of came into my mind, um, we are uh, closing in on our time here. um, So I do have to push us into the the next, the quick question round. But before we do that, I do want to ask... when you're doing international investing, it sounds like you do a lot of short-term rentals, uh, long-term rentals. Have you ever considered the commercial side? Um, and is that was that is that something that you would uh, dissuade someone from doing internationally, or is that you know just on par with um, with residential? So I haven't delved into that myself, but I know many of my friends have. The key is you really have to understand the laws because while in a lot of countries, there's laws that protect you as a homeowner because they want your money there. They want you to invest. There are a lot more restrictions and loopholes for uh, owning commercial properties and running commercial businesses. So I know a lot more horror stories of people who have literally had their their properties seized, their commercial properties seized um, out of the country and because they didn't fully understand the laws of the area they were in, they did not get them back. Oof. So it's really just about understanding your restrictions and your protections. Um, but I wouldn't dissuade someone, but I would tell them to be very careful and definitely hire a local lawyer and yeah. hire a lawyer here to uh, who, who's an expert in international uh, dealings of that area. Yep. Yep. That makes complete sense. Um, interestingly enough, I, I've always thought, you know, I do self-storage. That's one of my biggest, uh, biggest holdings. Um, but the U S is like the only country that really does self-storage. It's not really uh, present in other countries. And I've always thought that was, uh, kind of interesting. I don't know if it's an opportunity, but, uh, maybe other people just don't want to store extra shit, which, uh, which makes sense. <laughs> All right. Let go of their stuff, I guess. Yeah, no, we like, we like stuff. That's for sure. You know, um, I need stuff. I need stuff so that I can fill my space with more stuff, and then get more space to get more stuff. It's 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 sound logic. Definitely sound logic. Absolutely. All right. So I did. Uh, we are through the time. I do have to push us into the quick question round. Are you ready? I am ready. 
Let's I don't know what they are, but I'm ready. Absolutely. You're a pro. There's not going to be a problem. It starts out with books. I'm a big bookie. Um, if you aren't into books, you like any other form of education, podcasts, YouTube channels, whatever, give me two of them. One for general life wisdom, one for real estate specific. Absolutely. So general life wisdom, I, there is a great book. It's uh, written by Shaheen Cheyenne. It's called Billions. And it is amazing. Reading the book feels like you're watching one of the wildest movies you could ever imagine. Um, but it actually is all true. I know him and he's a great guy as well. And the book is real. I, if I didn't know him, I would have thought it's all made up because it sounds that phantasmical. Um, but basically he went from living in a car to a billionaire in a very, very, very short amount of time and wow. is a great guy after all that. So amazing. Um, and what was the author there? I, I just searched billions and uh, Carl Sagan's book is the one that pops up. And so what oh, was the Shaheen, author of that? Shaheen Cheyenne. It's called Billion Billion, um, yeah. the king of the uh, the pill cult. Okay. So okay. S H A A H I N. And then Cyan. There we go. I just found it. Found him. Yeah. All right. Billions. I love it. I'm going to check that one out now. Give me, um, that was your, what was that? That would be your general life wisdom. So give me a real estate one. And real estate one. Um, there's a couple different ones, but, uh, I really like, um, Oh, what is it called? It's by Robert Revkin. Um, he's the founder of Compass. Uh, he wrote about his experience and kind of how that related to real estate. I am trying to think of the name now. I bet if you Google it, it'll come right up and you could help me out with the name of it. I'm picturing the book. Um, <laughs> um, Compass, kind of we're going to figure this out on the show because you know what? We can't leave you guys hanging. Compass Real Estate. It's a wonder of uh, Google here. It just always answers your questions, no matter what question it is. No one succeeds alone. That's what it's called. No one succeeds alone. No one succeeds alone. I love it. You beat me to it. I just uh, just pulled it up here. No one succeeds alone. Compass. All right. I was picturing the the front of the book, and I was thinking triangle, triangle, but it, it, it's just a pic because it's uh, like a picture of people that are in the shape of a triangle on the front of the book. So there you go. Yeah. All right. So no one succeeds alone by with uh, by compass and then billions by Shaheen Cyan. Great recommendations. Moving on to the next question. This is for your younger self. So if you could go back to Nathaniel, who was a teacher, um, still looking at that uh, administrative career path, go to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. Run. Run. <laughs> Easy. Run. I love it. Uh, yeah. Uh, my only regret is I didn't move faster, fail faster, and uh, scale faster. So scale and fail faster. That's that's the two things I would tell them to do. That uh, that mirrors a lot of people's advice, which is that they wish they got started earlier. So hey, if you're out there, you're listening to this episode. I've said it so many times before, but just get dirty. Get out there, buy your first investment property. You will not regret it. Um, right. That moves us to our next question. And this is habits. Habits form the foundation of our life. So if you could point to one thing you do every single day that contributes the most to your overall health, well-being, happiness, and success, what would that be? Not fear failure. Uh, the difference between a high achiever and a low and a low achiever is the high achiever hates failure, but the low achiever fears failure. And when you fear something, you run from it. So I don't 
fear it. I hate it and I fight it, but I know it's going to happen and that's okay. Perfect. Great advice. And that leads us to, this one is a good one. Good question for you specifically because uh, you are so geographically dispersed. So I'm not, usually I say the U S but I'm going to open it up to the world. It's a big place. There's a lot of square miles out there um, to put your hard earned dollars. So what is one market you are most excited about today? Well, I selfishly am still most excited about Georgia. Um, so that is a very, very hot market that I think has a huge amount of potential growth that is unrealized for the most part at this point. Um, so that would be my number one where I'm invested. Um, the number one that I'm not invested in yet, but will be soon is actually Bali. Okay. Because as um, I know people talk about Bali all the time and you know, probably tired of hearing about it because it's been like this cool place to go and uh, you know, it's so inexpensive, but there is a lot of people, especially from a certain few countries right now that are investing large sums of money into Bali. And I think it's going to become uh, a different place in the next 10 years because certain countries where there may be military things happening, have people trying to get their money out and they're moving places that um, are not at war. And, you know, remember, Bali is the only non-Muslim island of Indonesia. And that's why it grew so much. It grew so much because mainly Australians would go there and visit it. And that is why it became a, a big location that it did it and, and different from all the other islands in Indonesia. Interesting. Because remember, Indonesia is a kingdom, but it's of several islands that all had different, different uh, cultures. So I think that is one of the secret places that is going to change in front of our eyes without us realizing it. Interesting. Bali. Huh? Okay. So Bali and Georgia, those are, uh, I love that you said that because it's not in the US. So great, uh, great markets to look into if you guys are searching for international investments. Um, I'm going to move us along here because we are past our time. So let's get into the next question. And this one is tools. Tools are the backbone, you know, habits are the backbone of your life. Tools are the backbone of any business. So point to one tool. Um, usually we say software tools here that you could not function without in your business. Well, it kind of depends which business you're talking about, but um, I really do like AirDNA. That's a big one. Um, Contactually, which is now owned by Compass, actually, is a great tool I use. Um, and yeah, those would be the two the two top top tools I'd say. Perfect. Air DNA, that one's for short-term rentals. And then uh, contactually, um, that is a CRM system, right? It is, yes. Perfect. Okay, that leads us to the very last question. You've given us a lot of good advice. So I first want to say thank you for hopping on and sharing. Um, and this last question is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice. So I'm sure people want to reach out and say, hi, what is the best way for them to do that? And what is uh, what is something that you'd be willing to give um, give for the show for today. Absolutely. So the best two ways are um, my Instagram, which is Getzel's group at Getzel's group on Instagram, G-E-T-Z-E-L-S-G-R-O-U-P uh, on there uh, has, and uh, it has my blood type. It has my phone number. It has my email. Um, it has everything. Feel free to DM me there or also, um, you can text me at 818-535-5337. Uh, wow. You know, that is my uh, direct text line. And so 
really, if you Google me anywhere, all of those things come to me, but the best are Instagram, phone, or uh, Facebook Messenger. Perfect. And I will put all those in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Nathaniel, learn about international investing, about short-term rentals, about 30 to 90 day rentals, all the stuff that he knows a lot about. I will go ahead and put those URLs in the show notes. So just click a little more in the description. It'll pull pull down the full description. And in there, you can find Nathaniel's contact. And I I post uh, every week, I post multiple videos of valuable information that has to do something with the real estate space. So feel free to pop in and watch those too. Perfect. All right. Well, Nathaniel, that wraps it up again. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You're great. And uh, you do have a terrific name as well. So uh, <laughs> it's a the, pleasure to be here. To your brother there. I love it. And for everybody who's here today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe at the Real Estate Investing Club.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and were able to pull some actionable advice that you can go home with and apply to your own investing business. Before you go, I have a gift for you. If you're a new investor looking to get started or an established investor looking to take your business to the next level, I've created an ebook just for you available on the website. This ebook will cover how I was able to create both active and passive income in real estate with very little money to start with. In it, I will address the three most often cited obstacles new and veteran investors run into by showing you how to find a deal that's actually a deal, how to finance that deal with little to no money down, and how to exit a deal for maximum value. And if you get the ebook today, I'm going to bury you in bonuses, seven of them to be exact. First, you'll get the off-market lead generation blueprint, which will take you through the exact systems processes we use to generate off-market leads like clockwork, which is the most important skill when it comes to creating real wealth in real estate. Then you'll get the A to Z REI systems and vendors guide, which will allow you to peek under the hood of our business and see the exact tools and systems and even the vendors we use to grow our business. After that, you will get the top 100 best performing keywords pack, which will give you the exact keywords we use to target leads online and generate leads without having to lift a finger. Next, you'll get the contracts bundle for wholesaling and renting real estate, which will give you access to all the contracts we use in the field to execute all types of transactions. After that, you'll get the investor's quick analysis calculator and offer tool, which will allow you to quickly calculate whether a deal is an actual deal and will allow you to create an offer automatically from those calculations. Next up, we'll give you the Investor's Daily Success Tracker, which is a tracker you can use to ensure you are taking the right actions day in and day out to reach your financial goals in real estate. And finally, you will get the Wholesaler's Template for Quick Assignment Cash, which will give you the templates we use to present our wholesale deals professionally and efficiently to our buyers. I know that is a ton of things to say. I'm glad you were able to stick with it. Uh, so you'll get both the ebook and all of those seven free bonuses. When you download the ebook today, all we charge is the admin cost to run the show. So if you are interested in the ebook and the bonus bundle, head on over to the website at therealestateinvestingclub.com. Click on get the ebook bundle at the top of the page and take advantage of that deal. 
With that housekeeping item covered, I hope you have an absolutely fantastic day and even better week. Keep rocking real estate, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right, before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.